On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Jay. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe and staying healthy. Happy spring to everybody. This weekend, we entered in the spring of 2021, and uh, for most of us, it's been a year since we went under lockdown and had some sort of rules and stipulations about going out, going to restaurants, all that stuff, and here in Chicago, at least, we're starting to climb our way out of that. I think we're now at uh, 20 to 50% capacity, depending on where you're at some counties are allowing more in but we are on the road back to normal whatever that will be when we get there i know there's going to be some changes but hopefully they're minimal and hopefully they don't distract or keep us from enjoying the things that we normally enjoy under better circumstances it just seems pretty pretty weird to kind of be able to see dining rooms open again at restaurants and small concert halls and venues starting to book bands. I'm of the opinion that I think it's a little too soon. Not that I'm excited for what's happening. I certainly am. But I just think that we're so close to putting it away for for good, right? And that's my opinion. I think we're so close with vaccines and social distancing and wearing masks and I I just don't want something else to happen another strain to mutate or whatever whatever the case is to kind of bring us back to where we were beginning of last March beginning of last spring of 2020 I hope that doesn't happen I hope it keeps being positive and in better news and better days are ahead of us I just can't help but think and be cautious because like I said we're so close to really turning that page for good I I just hope that we don't we don't do things too soon because we want everything to go back to normal and then find ourselves clawing our way out of the fourth wave or the third wave or the fifth wave whatever whatever wave we're on depending on what region or geographic location that we're in but uh, I do think that, you know, the start of baseball is going to be in a couple weeks. And I do know that Wrigley Field and Comiskey Park, I still call it Comiskey. I think it's guaranteed rate field, but I still call it Comiskey, are going to be at 20 to 25% capacity on opening day. So that's re- a real positive. And I hope that continues. And I hope by middle of summer, end of summer, we're at or near 100% capacity. I know football stadiums in you know the fall will then follow suit I know high schools with high school sports will be somewhat back to normal we're kind of in that stage where you know we could either go either way right now we could either fall back or we can keep moving forward and I hope we do keep moving forward I just wish and hope that we remain cautious and remain vigilant and put this behind us because I know a lot of my listeners love going to rock shows. I know I do. If you listen to this show 
consistently. I'm always talking about it, how much I miss it. And I hope before we know that we're all back doing it. I know the plan is to see my first concert since November of 2019 is Wild Street. They're playing at a small club about 20 to 25 minutes from me out in a town called West Chicago. Not West Chicago of Chicago, the west side, West Chicago, the suburb. Uh, so I know they're about, it's about a half hour from me probably. So I'm hoping to see them here at the end of April. And I hope that that show stays on and, and uh, I can go and enjoy that because I've had, had them on the podcast too as well last year. And I'm just looking forward to seeing them live. I actually was going to go see them last April down in the city, down in Chicago. But of course that got canceled and was never rescheduled for that venue. But Keeping our fingers crossed, hoping it all goes down the way we want. I know there's some big tours out there that are still planning on coming to Chicago and planning on coming to other areas too as well across the United States, and I hope that does happen. I just, uh, hopefully, hopefully we're not doing this too soon. But, hey, like what I always say, we are an escape for you, talking music with great rock interviews, great music commentary. If you haven't had the chance to listen to the episode with Christian Eagle on blockchain and SoundCloud and how that might turn the tables for artists in getting paid more and getting more revenue in for them, putting more money in their pocket. It really could be a game changer. It's still at that infant stage and how it impacts music. And there's a lot to be done and there's a lot to see before we can really kind of stake that claim or, you know, Put that flag down and, and 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 state the you know that this is going to happen, but it is trending towards that, and it is exciting for artists and bands that struggle with just you know making music and just putting on an album and having to tour to really make money. This may may give them the ability to kind of go back to what it was like before, where bands are making more money off records and are able to support themselves. And, you know, obviously we like the touring constantly, but I think as music fans, we all know that they deserve more money in their pocket. They do create, they do take the time to make music. And yes, I know they're in it because they love making music, but in the end, There is no other industry that just basically gets paid nothing to do what they do. Not a plumber, not a construction worker, not a teacher, not a lawyer, not a doctor. And it's just a unique moment in the art, in the art of music, where the value of music and the value of creation of that music is dismissed. It just feels like people can just take it. And that's wrong. And... I know people say, oh, they, you know, these artists from years past drive around in their Ferraris and they have these big mansions. You know what? They were good enough. They were lucky enough to be in that position where millions of people across the globe bought their music, bought their albums, went to go see them in concert. They deserve every stinking penny. So don't diminish what they've done and what they've accomplished in their music career and say that, you know, they shouldn't be driving around or, uh, you know, I don't pity them or I don't feel sorry for them. Listen, they didn't, they, most of them came from nothing 
And now most of them are in that position to afford those things because they made music that you enjoy, that you connected with. And there is a value to that. And the value is what it was. And it still is the same value. And for whatever reason, people think that they can just take the music, whether it's file sharing or think that just listening to a streaming service, paying $9, dollars $15 a month where the artist gets and not even a half a cent in streaming in money from streaming services. I, I just think that's wrong. But back to our current episode. I know a lot of people have been sending me DMs and a lot of people have been asking about this on my Twitter feed over the last month or so about, hey, are you going to get Richie Kotzen back on the show? Are you going to you know, have him on for the Smith Kotzen project that they're doing? And the answer is yes. And that's why we're here today, because this is the introduction to the Smith Kotzen album. This album was recorded after the release of the 50 for 50 Richie Kotzen album that he released on his 50th birthday. And it is magnificent. Um, the album is everything that you would hope it would be. It is just filled with Obviously, great riffs when you have Richie Kotzen and Adrian Smith. You've got great songwriting. They play off each other very well. Uh, it's got a very bad company, Deep Purple, Coverdale era type of vibe to it, which is phenomenal. And I think that they were striving for that. And Richie talks about that in the interview. And you can definitely hear that. But it is just fantastic in terms of the production, in terms of... The songs and the only complaint that I have is I wish there was more because when the album ends, you are like, oh man, it's over. I want to listen to it again, but I want there to be more songs. And there's a total of nine songs on the album. I know, I think Richie did say in the interview that they did record 10, but they just went with nine. Maybe that comes out on an extra special edition album later on. But nonetheless, you've got nine great tunes for you to enjoy. This album was recorded in the Turks and Caicos Islands in February of last year. Uh, It was produced by Richie and Adrian themselves, as well as mixed by Kevin Shirley. And you're going to hear the harmonies. You're going to hear the melodies. Richie, we know what he brings to the table, of course, if you're a fan of his solo career and also the Winery Dogs. But you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Not that I don't think anyone thought that he was capable of this, but, you know, Adrian away from Maiden, you really get to see and appreciate his style more. And his voice is very Paul Rogers-esque, which was a very, very great surprise to hear that. But I'll let you guys judge. The album is out this Friday, March 26th. Enjoy it. Listen to it. Hey, man, I, I, I hope they do another one. I hope that they release more material because they should do more. And I hope they do. But here we go. Here's the episode. Enjoy it. Leave some feedback. Richie's great in this interview and uh, offers some great insight about the record as well as him during COVID. And uh, enjoy the Smith Cotson album this Friday. Take care, everybody.
Good evening, everybody. It's Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for listening. As always, I hope you're staying healthy. I hope you're staying safe. And I hope you're staying warm. Seems like the whole country has a bit of uh, weather issues going on all over the place, from Texas to the Northeast. I'll, actually, I think it rained in, or snowed in Malibu like three weeks ago. So it's all over. But hey, we're here talking yeah. music. <laughs> We're here talking music, and we have a return guest to the show. I had the pleasure of interviewing him last year when he released his 50 for 50 album. We have once again Mr. Richie Kotzen. What's going on, Richie? Not too much, man. Uh, just kind of chilling. Uh, finished up uh, a couple of interviews today and talking to you about the new record, uh, Smith Kotzen. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I had the pleasure to listen to it over the weekend, and the only disappointing thing about it is it only has nine songs because it is a phenomenal album. <laughs> Thank you. Now, see, now, I'm on the other side. I like, I like that it's only nine songs because it reminds me of one of those old classic rock records that I would get as a kid, you know, where you had, five, four or five songs on the side, you know, pull the album out and, and just put it on and, and there you go. Um, but I think, you know, there's no reason why down the road we can't write more songs. So that's the, the good side of it is we can always write more. But um, yeah, man, I'm super excited about the record. And uh, really, I was hoping, you know, when we finished the record last year, I was hoping that we'd be out, you know, touring getting on the road but unfortunately you know we can't do that but the good news is that the record is on track to be released when we initially intended it to be you mentioned collaborating with other artists in the past obviously we all know the winery dogs is a big part of richie Cotton. and of course you know your social or your, your your solo albums are you know you just released 50 for 50 last february this collaboration yeah. It's kind of organic, it seemed like. You know, you and Adrian have been friends for a while, and it was just kind of a natural progression to eventually write an album. Is that how it happened? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is. I, you know, and uh, you know, normally under normal circumstances, I'm kind of left to my own devices. So, you know, I haven't really done any collab, you know, collaborated on anything since, well, I guess 2014 was when we recorded the winery dog record so it's been a long time since i've actually done anything like this so uh with adrian it just fell into place you know um we happened to uh be he has a place here in malibu and we, we happened to be hanging out and someone had mentioned hey you know you guys should try and, and write something you've been french for a long time might be kind of fun and so we got together i i think to memory memory serves correctly Running was the first thing that, that we did, that song on the album called Running. And Adrian had that big, heavy riff. The guitar was tuned down, which is cool because it's something a little out of character for me. I don't, I don't normally tune down a half step and then take it even further. I've done it before, but it's not as much as, as a lot of guys do it. So that was cool to, to have that riff. And then I, it kind of hit me. You know, the chorus idea, it all kind of came together for both of us. So that was the first thing I remember us working on. 
and, and that kind of led us into thinking, hey, you know, there might be something here. Let's, uh, let's see it through. And now, obviously, we have a whole album finished. The album really has a free, bad company, deep purple kind of vibe to it. Is that what you guys were trying to capture? Well, I, honestly, I don't think we were trying to do much of anything other than just see what the hell would happen. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, did, we didn't have any kind of conversation of, hey, let's go for this. Hey, let's go for that. I don't think either one of us even really worked that way. Like, I know there's guys that like to sit down and calculate and map out a plan. You know, we're not those kind of guys. So we, we really just got in there and just started throwing ideas around. Every single thing came from from one of us throwing an idea at the other person and then the other person just grabbing the ball and, and going as far as they could and then handing it back. So it's a true collaboration. But as far as the style goes, no, we, we didn't discuss anything. I think we have a natural, uh, you know, taste. We, you know, we both love, for example, as far as singers go, Paul Rogers, top of the list. So, you know, we, we love Free and Bad Company and that, that era of music. Uh, Adrian is well versed in blues, probably more so than me. But at the same time, I grew up listening to a lot of the what you'd call traditional R and B, you know, like the Spinners or the OJs, you know, stuff out of Philadelphia area where I'm from. So I have that kind of R and B soul influence, which kind of ties into his blues influence. And then we like the same sort of rock band. So as far as the direction, I think it just spelled itself out. I mean, that's what happened when he and I get in a room and pick up some guitars. I know you guys have jammed before making this record. I know there was a picture released a couple years ago on Christmas Eve of you guys having some sort of jam band, I think at his house. Uh, every, it was either New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve. I can't remember which. But what was when did you guys decide to record an album? What was the decision to do that? Well, yeah, now you're talking about... Uh, few years back now that that's what i was saying earlier that he's got a room there in the house with all the guitars and the amps and they would have parties uh, around the holidays and we've had these i've been invited to these parties multiple times you know over the course of a few years and then that last one that we had a party there uh got a little bit of attention on some of the social media someone put a picture out and uh it was around that time when uh we were thinking hey you know let's try and uh Let's try and write something together, and then that's what led to the to, to making of the album was you know that. But that was one of, of many jams. It just so happened that that was one that they got pictures of us and, and put it out there. But you know, it was shortly after that where we thought, hey, let's try and write something, see what we come up with. Was the vacation that you guys went on based around the recording of the album? Yeah, the idea uh, was to record down there in Turks and Caicos, and uh, you know. I'd never been there before, but uh, Adrian and his wife frequent that place quite a bit. So they thought, you know, this might be a nice departure to go down, to go down to Turks and Caicos, record the album, and it worked out really well because I was in Miami. I, I had just performed on the Monster Rock cruise, so my wife and I stayed in Miami, and then we flew down there and got together we rented a house down there and set everything up so we could record and do all that stuff and you know the first two days i gotta be honest i wasn't interested in in, in the studio i was on the beach you know with a cocktail uh, <laughs> and then after a while i realized well now you know we're down here for a reason so let's get to it so 
But, you know, we, we did the work, and it was a nice vibe. You know, get up in the morning. Adrian likes to go fishing. I'd go take a swim, you know, in the ocean, and uh, we'd meet up, do some recording, and then uh, go to dinner that night and start it all over the next day. So it was a great way to work. All the while, I was doing press uh, from my 50 for 50 record because I had lined up four continents worth of touring for, for 2020. And then obviously, you know, all hell broke loose, and now... You know, nobody's doing anything and nobody knows when they can go back out again. So it's, you know, not so great. But, um, you know, the plan was to make the record. I was going to go do my thing. He was going to go tour with Maiden. And then we were going to get back together and, and tour it, you know, next month. But, uh, you know, next month meaning next month from now. But, you know, obviously things are sideways. The good news is that we can still put the record out. So that's great. We're we're right on point with the release date. And so it seems like things are going to start opening up. Hopefully then we can get out and Adrian and I can hop on stage and play some of this stuff. You know, you've mentioned in the past year, since your 50 for 50 album came out, you mentioned that it's the way touring and the way promoters pay out artists for touring may be different. And it may be a challenge for you to tour. Is that still part of your thinking or is that, kind of gone away as time has gone by during this pandemic? Uh, you know, it's crossed my mind, to clarify, what's crossed my mind is that, you know, touring is a very complicated animal, you know, and depending on how popular you are or not, there's different kind of variables, you know, different kinds, you know, there's insurances, there's all these things that you have to take into account. Uh, and, one of the things that just crossed my mind is once touring, you know, what are the parameters going to be? Cause you know, before the pandemic, you know, there were definitely some things that were challenging for an artist like myself, you know, things that would be boring to the average person, but you know, where you can idle the bus, where you can park the bus, especially in Europe, uh, you know, different, uh, ordinances. They have these, uh, uh, sound meters that you can't play beyond a certain level in certain venues. So all these little obstacles, and I, I'm just wondering out loud somebody, I don't know how that got out, because I don't remember doing an interview, but I was thinking to myself, well, now with this COVID thing, what kind of new obstacles are they going to put in the path of the musician to get up and do, you know, what we do? So I just, I don't know, I don't have the answer to that, but, you know, hopefully it's some things that are within the realm of, of, of reason. Uh, so you don't want to have to say, okay, you can go tour now. However, uh, you've got to do this, that, this, that, and this, and you can't do this, that, and this, and that. And then suddenly you're like, well, at this point, why bother doing it at all? But, you know, this is all just uh, stuff in my imagination. I'm not really too concerned about it because I'm sure things will be fine. But um, somewhere along the line, I must have voiced that opinion. I just don't remember where. I think it was um, probably a few months into your record release last, I think it was last summer where I read it in an article, but, um, ah, so, okay. So, but then it was definitely after all this stuff hit. Yeah. The pandemic and the shutdown. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's, I mean, that's something to think about. I mean, but it, it's going to be what it is, I guess, you know, still no one's able to tour. They just canceled some big festivals I heard in Europe. And so, you know, we have to see, I mean, have to wait and see. I'm tired of waiting, but I don't think I have a choice. Yeah, I, I think we're all tired of just not seeing live shows. I know I am. <laughs> you know, it's just like 
The yeah. last live show I saw was November 2019. I saw Big Wreck um, downtown Chicago. And then the last performance I saw was in Milwaukee in March of last year. I saw Dave Chappelle. And I haven't been to anything since then. So Wow, yeah. Just, yeah, the last, the last time I've been on stage in front of an audience is a year ago down in, in Miami. I did the sail away party for the Monsters of Rock series. And they actually hopped on the boat and did one uh, – one performance and that was it it's been it's been a year when you talked about but i have to say something i, I oh i'm no, sorry to interrupt you no go ahead uh, i do have to say one thing one thing about it though I, I have to say i didn't realize that how much i really actually needed a break now and this is completely separate from you know what's going on in the world nothing to do with it so i don't want that to get wrapped up into the same thing but you know, by staying home for me for a full year, it actually did wonders for me, like mentally, physically, because what happens when you're a recording artist, is, you know, it becomes difficult to say no. When, when someone calls and says, hey, we got three weeks for you in Europe, blah, 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 can you go? You don't want to say no to that because you don't know when that's going to go away or, you know, it's, you just don't know what's around the corner. So the instinct is to say, yeah, I'll take the dates. Or somebody calls, hey, we can do a South America tour in June. Yeah, give me the dates. But what happened, what was happening to me, and I didn't even realize it. Like, I was starting to get, like, a little nuts mentally. Like, you know, being out on the road all the time and and just, uh, you know, waiting and and airplanes and and buses and being transported from place to place. And I don't know. I think it was really, really taking a, a negative toll on me being on the road at the level that I was doing it. Cause I was always out. I was, if I wasn't out with the winery dogs. I was out solo and I was going back and forth, back and forth. And this year, I think the silver lining for me was the fact that I got to stay home. I just cleaned up all, all kinds of bullshit for myself personally, mentally, emotionally. So the good news hopefully is once things do come back, I'll be, you know, in a much better position. I'll be a better uh, performer live and what have you. But I personally, I think I needed the break. When you think about the past year, and like you just mentioned, you needed a break, and it was kind of a forced break, but, you know, it was there was some good that came out of it. Um, when you're on a normal cycle like you normally are, I mean, you're a very busy artist. You're releasing an album, you're touring, another album touring. When you get in those cycles, it's kind of hard to, to go outside your box to kind of be more creative than you, what you want to do. Were you, now that you were able to breathe a little bit, did you find that your creativity was sort of rejuvenated? No, that's, that's the other thing that's kind of funny because I, I have a built-in mechanism for that anyway. So basically, even on the outside, it probably appears that, oh, Richie's always working, always doing something. Reality is I'm not. I have long, long uh, stretches where I don't do anything musically i mean weeks go by i don't even touch the guitar and then suddenly i get an idea for a song and then i'll write it and then it'll sit somewhere and then i'll I'll write another one so on and so forth so um i'm not really always on but what was getting to me was always being away like that travel thing of like okay i'm home for a month but then i gotta go fly somewhere else see that's the thing that was making me crazy so but Oddly, when the when lockdown happened, you know, 
I didn't really dive into some crazy creative thing because my pattern didn't really, you know, the touring was taken away, but my, my general like vibe as far as writing and not writing wasn't really that much affected. I just had done a song and put out 50, 50 records, I mean, 50 songs on a, on an album and 50 for 50. So I, I already exhausted that element of creativity. Uh, and then, you know, the record was, um, finished. The Smith Cotson record was finished. So I think kind of what I did was just kind of lay way back in the cut and just put my, my, my feet up, you know, and, and just say, okay, well, here's the break that I thought that I might need. So just ride it out. Um, but no, nothing, I didn't get real creative and start, you know, I didn't make four more albums or, you know, I did some work to the house, you know, I did some stuff outside and, and that sort of thing. But no, I just enjoyed time with my wife, you know, like my kid, you know, stuff like that. And the dog too, She's not right? not a kid anymore. She's a grown woman. And my dog, Cheech, yep. Going back to the record with Adrian, you mentioned when you first recorded the debut album with the Winery Dogs, how you brought a lot of material to the Winery Dogs that you had been working on. What was the writing process like with Adrian for this record? Did you bring a lot of ideas, or was it all just starting from scratch? No, so yeah, it was not like that. It was all just starting from scratch, and to be perfectly honest, Usually, it would start with Adrian having something, like a riff of some kind. He would always have something. And I would hear it and think, oh, wow, that's killer. Let's go here with it. Let's go there with it. And that seems to be how, the, how, how it worked. And then I would take it as far as I could. And then if I got stuck, then he'd step back in. So okay, let's do this, do that. Um, that's really how I remember the process. Which is real, which I think is why it was so fluid because, you know, when you bring a, an idea in, sometimes you have something that's almost finished. So you already have an emotional investment in this thing. And you really oftentimes are less willing to mess with it. Your, your focus at that point is getting it, getting it to where you think it should be because you've already gotten it thus far. Whereas if you're on the other end of it, if you're coming into something that's complete scratch, like a bass riff uh, or a guitar riff, and then you can take that into a song, it's almost easier to do that. Like a, a great example, because you brought up the winery dog, that song, um, Hot Street, was on the last, the title of the last album, Hot Street. That was a, a riff that Billy was playing in the rehearsal room. He was sitting there by himself playing that. And at my old house and in my studio there. And I said, man, that's cool. Let's jam on that. You see? And so that just kind of turned into a song. And when things happen that way, you know, I think they're more fluid as opposed to like, I have a song that I wrote and all I need is a bridge. You know, and then you get in there, someone's going to want to try and tweak a chorus, but you've already written it. That's a little less, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, less appealing, I suppose. So with Adrian and I, we really did write from zero. You know, I didn't have any song halfway done and brought it in. We didn't do any of that. We just wrote everything from, from, from ground zero. What's also recognizable on this album is how fluid you guys are with each other in terms of the song. Like, 
it, 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 it works so well. And that was one of the big questions that I had was how is this going to sound? And the way you guys play off of each other and the way you guys have a feel for each other's playing is really remarkable. And it really shines through on this record. Well, you know, I think I talked about it earlier a little bit. You know, our influences, we have that common ground. Um, but, you know, to take it even further, it's not like we're two guys that are like guitar, guitar guys. And like our whole thing is the guitar. I think our whole thing as individuals, before you even get into the guitar, is songwriting. You know, um, I think that was the whole uh, purpose here is to write some songs together. And then after the song exists, then you can do whatever you want with the guitar. Um, but, you know, that was our, our driving force was, you know, the song. And, and so that's, I think that's why it works. That's obviously, if you, do, if you don't have a song and you're a musician, you have nothing to play, you know, other, unless you're going to play other people's songs. So that's my theory on that one. As far as 2021 goes, I mean, this album is coming out and it's going to be, it's going to be huge. I think it's a great album. What's next for you, Richie? Well, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really think in those terms. I mean, I would have to look at uh, what my pattern has been in the past. I'll probably write more songs and I'll, probably make another record uh i would imagine that once adrian and i get together again we will probably throw around some ideas which could lead us to another album uh in the future um you know i know that i've spoken quite a bit to billy and mike about the winery dogs and you know once we can all get to the same place at the same time and we're all comfortable flying and all that sort of thing uh you know, there could be something happening there. But basically, uh, I, I feel pretty pretty good about what uh, what I've done and what I've released and, and, and what I've done with Adrian. I, I'm really excited about that. So I guess I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Um, at some point, I'm going to want to get out and play uh, one way or another. So I don't know if I'll call my band and set something up in the yard and just play for the dog. I don't know what I'm going to do. But uh, hopefully at some point we can do some live stuff you know yeah absolutely absolutely we're all missing it well well everybody we're going to end on that note once again i'd like to thank my guest richie Cotson. get the new album that's out with him and adrian smith smith Cotson, and it's their debut album being released on march 26th so check out the first single taking my chances and we all look forward to hearing more and hopefully one day seeing them on the stage together Once again, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.